Hello, and welcome to Follow the Woo podcast, where each week I, Fenelon Kush, will guide you on a journey into the land of the woo. We're going to investigate witchcraft, meditations, the paranormal and supernatural, alien and fey encounters, gurus, shamanism, and, and, and all the woo. So hold on to your butt. This just might be the weirdest part of your day. Hello, humans. I don't know about you, but that full moon in Scorpio, lunar eclipse, Mercury and retrograde cocktail situation. Yeah, it, it kind of fucked me up. I had a really intense, like bizarre, panicky night at one of my jobs on Saturday. And then on Monday, I had this unexpected, deep therapy session that was such a breakthrough that I said very little for the rest of that day, which is a gargantuan feat because I am a chatty motherfucker. I'm curious to know how this weekend affected you all. Did you have any major insights, any purging of old patterns, any demons come out to play? My wife said she was completely fine, but she's a Scorpio, so I I don't know. I'm curious to know how that works when the full moon is in your sign how it affects you. She asked me that last night. She's like, what happens when you're a Scorpio and the full moon's in Scorpio? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, aren't you a witch? And I said, yeah, but there's so much to learn. It's insane. Like when you go to witch school, I went to a teaching witch school, a teaching coven. Actually, it was an order technically because there were so many students. It's like no joke. There's astrology and divination and spell work and recipes, kitchen witchcraft, green witchcraft, like working with plants. It just goes on and on and on. And then in each one of those categories, the offshoots, I mean, you could just focus on one of those offshoots for your whole life. So I was like, I don't know. I really do not know. I can't keep track of all that stuff. Anywho, Today, we are going to get into the weird woo that seems to emanate from the town of Deer Lodge, Montana. My guests, Patrick Cutler and Don Bromley, grew up in this tiny town that seems to attract all kinds of paranormal activity. During the pandemic, Patrick moved back to his hometown of Deer Lodge to start production on a horror film called Redgate, which is a particularly active area of Deer Lodge. As he was making the movie, he noticed that people in the town started coming out of the woodwork to tell their true woo stories and provide their evidence for real encounters that they had. So what was meant to be strictly a fictional horror film turned into a hybrid film, kind of. Part fiction, part for real documentary. Patrick's old friend, Donald Bromley, manages a number of trail cams out in a secluded area of Redgate. And one day he noticed that a camera died. So when he goes out to check the footage, he finds that the last picture taken before the trail cam completely bit the dust was a picture of what looks like a non-human bipedal creature. Holy crap. The three of us mostly talk about the trajectory of Patrick's film project, the difficulty of making indie films, our theories about aliens, 
some of the weirder things they've experienced while in that area, and of course, that infamous photo. And don't worry, I will share the photo on my Instagram for this episode so you can take a peek for yourself. Is it an alien? Is it a cryptid? I don't know. You have to wait and hear more about the story, hear more about their experiences with having the History Channel and other networks look it over and basically say it's legit. Patrick W. Cutler is an independent filmmaker who has fully indoctrinated himself into alien culture, UFOs, the paranormal, and multiple supernatural underground societies. During this entire process of filming Redgate, he has openly practiced witchcraft and voodoo and has even participated in several pagan rituals. He's also recently dabbled in demonology, including physical research into devil-worshipping cults. And all of this is an attempt to uncover the truth of what is going on at Redgate. Strangely enough, throughout this entire undertaking, Patrick has had several boycotts launched against him personally and several boycotts launched against the Redgate film. He's had calls from officials with high-level government contracts, mysterious SUVs following him around, and his YouTube channel has been suspended several times. Despite all of that, he has persevered and pushed through all of it in hopes that as many people as possible can find out the truth about aliens and other paranormal activity. And for him, that all starts at Redgate. So I have a couple of notes for you for this episode. Number one, somehow I have a mic issue in this episode and it's so annoying. I don't know what happened. But throughout the entire interview, I will be super soft here and there. I mean, and it's not consistent, so I don't know what was happening. Forgive me. We did our best to kind of even it out as much as we could, but you might just have to turn me up every so often if you want to hear the questions that I'm asking throughout this interview. Second thing is we do talk about some high strangeness that includes unaliving yourself. So just a little trigger warning here for that. All right, let's get into the woo of Redgate. My name is Patrick W. Cutler. I'm a filmmaker of a movie called Redgate. It's a documentary slash horror investigative film to this area called Redgate where there's UFOs, paranormal activity, all kinds of crazy stuff. My name is Don Bromley. I live in the Deer Lodge Valley. I ran a couple trail cameras in the Redgate area, which as Pat said is a a very high, strange area, and I captured a pretty iconic image. Pat made a film called Redgate, and we used my picture as the Trojan horse to kind of market and advertise and kind of shift the whole dynamic of the film around, focused on UFOs, aliens, paranormal, and such. It's a hybrid horror movie documentary, which started out as a narrative fictional horror film, but then after I started investigating the area, I up to the dawn, all these things, it turned into like a film that now that's like 90% true, based on true events, and has a lot of actual real footage in it. On top of that, we're also continuing our investigation into Redgate as we continue this journey. When I was about to wrap up the film, I bumped into the dawn, and a lot of weird things started happening, right? Oh, boy. From that minute forward, yeah, it's been crazy. But what happened was I was in the middle of kind of wrapping the film up, and Don had this trail camera image he caught before, and he was going on the news to talk about it because it was from the Redgate area, and a guy from a local news station was doing a story on it. So Don knew I was working on this film, so Don reached out to me. So right when I'm about to wrap the film up, he's like, I'll go on TV and talk about it. So I meet Don, and I start to learn these other things like, oh, my gosh, there's 
something else going on here. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the film is still not done. Like, did you think it was done? And then you were like, oh no, we need to keep, we need to add some more shit to it. The film was in the post-production process and it was towards the very end of it. It was taking a lot longer. I thought to complete, it was towards the very end of it. And then when I met Don, I was like, Oh, wait a second. Something else is going on here. The film itself was mainly based on a folklore story called Redgate, where is this mining town used to exist outside of town. It was this mining little village, pretty much with some cabs and things. This guy owned a homestead. And one day after coming home from the mine, he um, took an ax and killed his wife and both his kids. Then the next day, people saw they saw him outside their homestead, painting the gates red with their blood. That was supposedly folklore. Like it was supposed to be a, a local myth we heard as kids growing up around the campfire. And now we're kind of debating even that that's not totally fiction. Folklore, right. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard so many different stories. There's so much out there. and It's almost like a, a big hidden secret in this valley about the Redgate area. And it's been happening for decades. Go, the, the stories go way back to early times. Okay, so is the area actually a town called Redgate or people around town call it that and they have for a really long time because of that specific legend? Yeah, they call it that. It's it's not an actual town. It's more of a, I like to describe it as a mountain range east of the valley, you know, maybe 10, 15 miles by about the same. Just mm-hmm. a very a big a big radius of every weird paranormal story that we've heard and from the past all come from this area. Deer Lodge, Montana, where you live. And did you grow up there, Don? I did. Yep. Yeah. Pat and I both grew up here. Oh, you both did. Okay. So you both, yep. both grew up in this area and the Red Gate range is within this area. Oh yeah. yeah. You can see so, it from the town. Yeah. So yeah. An overview of Deer Lodge is you imagine a small town with mountains surrounding both sides. It's this really deep valley. And then you drive out of town towards one side of the mountains and yeah, 10 to 15 minutes or 10 to 15 miles or up into the mountains is where you start to hit red gains. It encompasses mountain ranges, this broad area up there. I mean, when you were younger, did you find that you were interested in weird shit? Did any of your classmates have weird shit happen to them? I mean, or did this just come about later in life, your, your interest in investigating this? Yeah, I knew a lot of stories growing up just because it is a ranching community as well. So there's a lot of generations of families that homesteaded and are still, you know, four or five generations deep in this valley. And I always heard strange stories and occurrences from Redgate. It wasn't until I was older, I had my own actual experience and it really made me question. And then about, I don't know, eight years later or so, captured this image on my trail cam. And then I was pretty convinced that it was, it wasn't from this world. Let's put it that way. So prior to the trail cam incident, you didn't have anything super weird, no sleep paralysis, no like weird lights, anything like that in in your personal life ever. I was younger and I was working as a ranch hand on a big ranch in the Redgate area or close to it. And we were calving. So you got to go right out, check the cows, see if they've calved, tag their ears, give them their shots, the whole nine yards. And I rode out about four days straight into this pasture. There was nothing in it. The cows were on the other side. Well, this day I ride out and I can see in the middle of this field, there's a dead cow laying there. I'm like, oh, that's odd. It wasn't here yesterday. And I ride up with my horse. My horse was kind of acting up a little bit, but that's pretty typical for a ranch horse. So I didn't think much of it. 
And when I got off, you could see it was just hide and bones, no organs, no guts, no anything. And there was a perfect like four or five inch circle in the side of this cow. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that even, I, I, I was just like, uh, you can't even a uh, coyote. Like you just can't even try to put what it is. The rancher knew about it though. I brought him out, the owner, and he just told me to keep it hush, hush, just get rid of it and don't tell anyone because I'm starting to learn it's more of a common theme than what I originally thought. And that happens a lot, right? In these smaller towns, especially in the middle near like caves and these weird mountain ridges where people don't want to talk about it. Like they don't want to, they don't want to look weird and they don't want to admit that. I mean, he probably knew that that was a cattle mutilation. Right. I'm actually pretty certain of it now. And I had, I was oblivious. So I'm like, oh, okay. Don't you want to look at this? No, no. Get rid of it. Let's not talk about this again. I'm like, oh, all right. Weird. So you're like 28 and you just have these trail cams out and all of a sudden it picks up what, what happens? I worked as a guide, an elk hunting guide for 10 years. So my stock and trail cameras went pretty high at the time. I had probably a hundred. So this ranch, I was, I actually didn't work there when I had the camera, but I still have cameras there. I set about a dozen of them up for security purposes, mostly kind of scouting too, for my own personal gain, but mm-hmm. catch trespassers and so on. And I set these cameras in about August, roughly. And when I came back through, I checked all my cameras on the way up and I get to this particular camera and I download the images right to my iPhone. Well, I noticed because you can flip to the camera to see what the battery percentage is. And I just put it up like two months earlier. And it had lithium batteries, which will run the camera at least a year, if not until you fill the SD card up. Well, I noticed this camera was dead. So I was like, oh, first red flag. I'm like, that's odd. Mm-hmm. So I download these pictures. I get to the last three images because the camera was set three pictures per trigger. And I captured this image that I have. And the next two were completely blank. When I put new batteries in the camera standing there on the mountain, Every setting I put the camera on, it would just glitch. And to this day, it's never taken a picture since it took those last three that I have the iconic image of. That's another strange coincidence. Explain to the listeners, and I'll also share it with them if if you guys are cool with sharing it. What did you see or what did you think you saw? I'm in in a vehicle driving up towards this Redgate area for this TV, a local TV station interview with Don after he contacted me. We rode in our vehicle and he shows me, he has me his phone. I'm looking at it and I don't know what I thought when I first saw it. I I thought like that is really odd. And then he was talking about it and talking about it. I think at first I thought maybe like maybe that's a human going by fast, but then I started looking at it more and more. I was like, no, oh, that is really weird. I started analyzing. I started to analyze the timestamp of when it took place. And I started looking at all these different things like, no, that is really unexplainable to me. And at first I wasn't sure what to think. And then after Adam was thinking, I was like, no, there's, that's some bizarre creature or something. That's just weird. Yeah. Don, did it feel like bizarre creature was just sort of it? Or did you have a strong feeling that it was ETs or something like that? It's kind of interesting when I, when I originally got the image, I'm like, oh, trespasser. And I was like, wait, I didn't catch anybody else on all my other cameras surrounding this one. This one's dead. I was like, ah, I don't know, uh, maybe a person. And then I zoom in. I'm like, oh boy, 
that's just weird enough. And I actually was like, ah, it's just creepy enough. I'm going to delete it. I don't need that on my phone. And I hit delete. Are you sure you want to delete? And I'm like, oh, I could probably show this to a few of my buddies and freak them out. And that's the only reason this picture has actually made it this long was that decision to, ah, I think I'll just keep it. I mean, I showed it to a lot of people and I'm, I'm never one way or the other, which is kind of my whole role here is I'll show you the image and say, what do you think it is? I don't put on ET or person. I let the person looking at it decide. Well, I started realizing most people thought it was weird, paranormal. It was definitely out there. The time frame, like Pat said, location, you can't get there easily. I mean, it's, it's a pretty difficult to get to that spot. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, three years later, or two, two and a half years of having that picture. I came across a guy that has a TV show, carbontv.com, and the show is called Outdoor Weekly. And I showed him that image. And the first thing he said, he goes, you Photoshopped this. I said, no, this is, this is the original picture. And that's when it first came to light because he was a producer. And he says, hey, I have all my camera gear. Sit on this stump and we're going to talk about Redgate and your image. Like, oh. And that led to the History Channel, to the news, to going viral in Britain and worldwide, essentially. Yeah. So did they all want to get their grubby little hands on the photo and try to like analyze it and everything? Oh boy. Everybody's been all like, let me see that. And the best thing that I had happened is I was on uh, the proof is out there. It's a show on history channel and they had an expert come in and analyze the photo. And he said, yeah, there's no foul play here. This is the original image. So cleared my name out of that. Yeah. Well, uh, that's always cool to know that it's legit. So is it kind of a tall whitish figure? Yeah. Almost trans transparent being. Yeah. yeah. Like a bulbous head on it. You don't have it right here right now, do you? (laughs) How can we, Pat, can you send that? Let me pull it up here really quick. The other cool part is we went back, which ever since I got that image, I really don't like being in that area. And I took Pat up there and I fought it the whole way. And Pat can attest to this. Like, it's a very creepy vibe area anyway. The, the guy that filmed me for uh, Outdoor Weekly, that was the very first time I went back to that spot. He finally convinced me I didn't want to go. And he's like, well, you know, it's trying to recreate this, which means we have to be there at night. I'm like, oh, that's even worse, you know. And, <laughs> and he's, he's funny. He's like, well, I got a gun. I'm like, man, what do you have? Plasma bullets? You don't even, what kind of bullets do you have for <laughs> reptilians or Arturians? Like, I, come on, you know? And we, we set another camera up and I walked through it. I tried to a bunch of different angles and the closest I could get still doesn't, doesn't justify that image at all. That actually makes you question it more. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I see what you're saying. So the left is like you trying to recreate it with a. Human. That was me. That was me walking That's through. Yep. <laughs> Dang. Well, it's wildly different. Yeah. Makes you ask more questions. Like I said, yeah. it's, it's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> One of the biggest things that stands out to me is, yeah. If you look at Don's eyes, you can clearly see the eye glare or whatever. And then you see the reptilian, or whatever. There's no eye glare or anything working the same exact way. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, when yeah. you said reptilian, are you? Or did you kind of over time because there's a little bit of a nose thing happening? I guess I'm seeing. That- oh boy, <laughs> yeah. The first, the first guy that actually filmed me was see. We did the shoot, and then he called me the next morning. It was like Sunday morning at like 6 a.m. He's like, "Bro, this thing is blowing up. 
you captured a fifth dimensional reptilian. I'm like, oh, cool. I've never even heard that term before. So I was like, <laughs> is that good? He's like, no, they're hostile by nature. I'm like, oh, cool. cool. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, the hostile by nature. <laughs> <laughs> like the reptilian things off of a Jurassic Park, the raptors. <laughs> yeah. Dang, I can't stop looking at it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? That's yeah. pretty wild. Do you have these interviews and, and spots that you were on on the History Channel, etc.? Do you have them like links to them available or any transcripts or anything that people could go down a I, rabbit hole? Yeah, I could find the links for it. I'll just go through my emails and and find the links. Okay. Yeah, the one History Channel one, you might have to have, uh, you can play it, but they get to have a, a channel, at least some kind of subscription to the History Channel, some kind to of watch it, I want to say. But like, I have a link to the entire episode. You can watch the whole thing. You probably don't want to watch the History Channel one because they did not do me any favors. That's for sure. Uh, there's a person that came on and let's just say the person was not a very good expert in that background. And they could have had a different expert on there. The analyzation of the photo was very poor. Uh, they left out a lot of details of when it was shot and the person thought it was a coyote or something like that. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it went, it went from, that does not look from like, like Oh, run trail cams. And this woman goes through and she says, you know, I have trail cams and, and I, I look for Bigfoot and there's this clip of a trail cam on a tree. It has to be like the first trail cam ever made. I'm like, <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. And she breaks it down. And she goes, well, uh, you know, it, it's bipedal. So it, it, let's compare it to Bigfoot. Like, oh, yeah, great. You know, and at the end, they said, okay, what do you think it is? And the woman said, but it's definitely a guy in a hoodie. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that was her answer to that image. Yeah. So then that you look at the joke. comparison photo and I'm a guy in a hoodie. Like you, you uh, can't even, it's apples to oranges. And it was a that, yeah. as soon that, as that dropped. Yeah. As soon as that dropped, though, I had 92 text messages within like two minutes from people watching it. Like, a guy in a hoodie? Who is this person? Like, oh, well. Yeah. The episode was, yeah, it was really good all the way up to the ending. Yeah. Did did you not have the side-by-side before the the History Channel? I think at the time, I either I didn't release it because it was so fresh, or I just, I kind of thought probably it was a home run. How can anybody debunk this to be you know, a humanoid, like, no, well, someone did. So crazy. And you haven't picked up anything else on the camera since then. I actually have with running so many cameras, that picture is in a realm of its own. I got these, this creature. I have two images of this particular creature and it is both of them are just as strange as the first, like you can't heads or tails. You, you you just don't even know what you're looking at it out of two images, like two in the morning. And then I also captured another strange one on my cellular camera, like one in the morning. And that's another very questionable image for sure. And these are all from that same area or are they just yep. kind of all around this property in the red gate area? Does everybody have, does the public have access to, to the red gate area or do you have yes. to like, they do okay so there's, there's I, no, like, I have right so the ranch that i i still have a bunch of cameras up there i can drive within a couple hundred yards of where this image was taken through this private ranch but the public can actually get to where because it's on public ground where i got this image but to get to that spot through the public is three four five mile hike and you lose 
1500 feet in elevation. And then you got to climb back out of that hole to get out of there. Or run. It, yeah. Or well, oh yeah. Well, you're never going to see me there again. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about it. There's some private property in the Redgate area, like Don's kind of describing like how to get this photo, but like, it depends on where you're going. There's a, a lot of the Redgate area is pretty much public. The private property that he can get access to, it drives you right up to the gate to where this photo was taken. Then beyond that gate is where it becomes public. And this guy monitors. So if you were to like, just try to go through that private land by yourself, uh, you'd get prosecuted. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, bu- I've busted a lot of people trespassing in there through the years. Like you just can't be. And that, that's the other kicker to it is I knew everybody that could be hunting in this area in this time frame, and none of them were hunting up there that day. I was going to say, uh, what me and Donald's discussed is when the snow finally melts, we're thinking about going up above the regular area. There's a camping, a public camping access area above there. We're thinking about from there, maybe we could plan a hike into Redgate and find a way that the public could access it and not have it be extremely difficult. It's still going to be a, a challenging hike, but I wouldn't put it up there as like climbing like what the big mountains here or anything. It shouldn't be that right. challenging. You're, the main right. thing is you're just going through a lot of brush in the middle of nowhere is the main thing. Yeah, it's not like a Lord of the Rings, like epic journey. <laughs> no, it's not quite like that. Oh, so you're not exactly climbing Mount Everest there yeah. to get there. <laughs> it, it feels that way, though, because I don't want to die. So that's yeah. fun. I mean, that's that weighs fair. on your hike. Yeah, yeah. So, Sean, you said you didn't want to go back because, I mean, no. for good reason, because it was creeping you out. But then you did get more footage. Is that just because there were cameras on that private property rolling? Or what did you go with friends when and you weren't as scared? Or what happened? Right. So the first time I went back was with my friend, Mr. Jim Kinsey, who has a show called Adventure Hunter on Sportsman's Channel. He talked me into it because after I left and the camera didn't work and I looked at the image more, and it's just a very weird vibe, like I said, in this area. So we went back once, got the comparison, and I swore I'd never go back. And then, well, Pat rolls along here, and he buys me enough rolling rock that I decide I could probably get back up there, and I regret every second of it. But we actually we actually went there twice, didn't we, Pat? Two or three I, times, actually. I think it was twice. Was no, it twice? No. It, was, it was twice. Maybe yeah, it was just no, twice. I, yeah, probably yeah. just twice, actually. Yeah. You can only tempt fate for so long, so I know we only went up there twice. So. like, I fucking went twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I remember <laughs> it, it was a sunny afternoon. Like, Did you go during the day? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, you couldn't get me up there at night. It was getting dark. <laughs> that, I think the second time it was getting dark on us. I'm like, okay, let's pack it up, people. I don't want to die today. So... <laughs> Okay, so I got to know, did you feel the creepiness up there prior to the infamous picture or did it click after you saw the picture? Honestly, I mean, I set the camera there for, you know, a game trail trespassing deal, but it is really creepy. And I can remember setting it, my camera in there like, oh, this is definitely as far as I want to go. Even though I had no idea, I just, uh, this is going to be the end of the line for my cameras. And then, you know, obviously getting the picture really freaked me out. And the part that really got to me too is that first guy, Jim Kinsey, I took in, uh, he, we went with his son. Both those guys were like, oh man, this is, this is a creepy area. Like, we just feel weird in here. And then when I took Pat in there, he said the same thing. Right, Pat? 
Oh, you could just, you could feel the energy. It was weird. It was the energy. I mean, it wasn't like we were hiking, like he said, you know, we had access. We got right outside the gate and, and walked up in there. And still, it's a good, it's a good size drive up there. So it's a, it's a little bit, cause you go from in town to it gets more and more brushy, more and more mountainous, more and more mountainous. Then you kind of in, in between the mountains, really in this uh, trail, it's right in between the trees and everything. So it's like, you don't have much of a skyline or anything. You're like right in the middle of the trees. And it's just this trail, almost like a four wheeler type trail. And it, um, yeah, once I got in there and started walking around and started filming stuff, it just felt weird. It felt yeah. really weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Oh, a couple of weeks ago was was that a couple of weeks ago where the we were going to do a podcast on Redgate and everything on a Detroit yeah. trip, and the entire internet went out in town like an hour before we we're supposed to go on. Remember that? Yeah, that was weird. Wait, the whole town though? Someone. So what happened was someone ran over like a big internet line they were doing construction at and cut cut all the internet off. It just so happened that right before we were supposed to have our podcast about Redgate. That yeah, happens all the time. It's so weird. Yeah. The, the weirdest one, though, was this summer. We were trying to get some trail cam footage for uh, for Redgate itself to add to the film. And I have this really nice security camera, really expensive one. And we did all these scenes in front of it. And it would not take pictures or download to my phone. Like, at all. The whole, the whole night. And then I went back a couple weeks later, and there was nothing wrong with the camera. The camera just kept taking pictures. It just missed the day we were there. Very odd. Yeah, Very that's odd. such a reoccurring thing with this stuff. The, yeah. the, all the technological glitches. I want to go back to Pat. Now I'm going to call you Pat because he's calling you Pat. So Don talked a little bit about his experiences with what I call the woo early on. What about you? Like, What drew you to making a horror film in the first place? And have you had a natural inclination toward the paranormal for a long time? For me personally, growing up in Deer Lodge, Montana, it's, I've always had that inkling a little bit because Deer Lodge is, is a very, very strange place itself. A lot of strange things happen here. If I were to describe Deer Lodge in a nutshell, I would say if you've ever read Stephen King's book, It, Deer Lodge is just like Dairy Maine. Very weird energy. Yeah. We have yep. weird homicides, murders here, crazy stuff. We had the prison in town. Uh, the Montana State Prison used to be in town, and now it's out of town. But the old Montana State Prison, which is just on the outskirts of town, is haunted with all kinds of ghosts from past riots and murders inside that place. A lot of information out there that suggests that this town was built on top of a Native American massacre burial ground. And that is some stuff that like really makes me wonder with some of the bizarre things that happen in town. And then in the reggae folklore story, for me personally, a lot of bizarre things, I'd say most of mine have just been with strange incidents with people doing bizarre things. We had this guy, and this is one I've never talked about. I was working for this guy, and I don't want what's that? Uh, the, that's that movie where people just start jumping off buildings and stuff. The happening, is that what that's the happening? Oh, and my shaman, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's an incident like that here in town when I was in high school. A guy I worked with, pretty nice guy. He wasn't that old. He, he was a cool guy. He, a lot of people knew him around town. And he had a house on Main Street, right on Main Street. He goes onto his front lawn, right in the middle of like Main Street, takes a shotgun to his head and blows his brains out, out of nowhere. It was like the most, nice. like right, people are just driving by left and right. It was the most bizarre thing alive. Like, You've had instances like that, like these suicides and things um, that have occurred once at a high school football game. There are hills on the side of the, the football field. 
And once we my buddies were running and I saw in the distance, it looked like it was a ghost. This is right after like my grandfather just passed away. And I started like, just, we just started running towards it to see what it was. And then we, by the time we got there, it like completely disappeared. I've seen stuff like that consistently in Deer Lodge doing haunted tours. We've had weird EVP recordings. We've recorded on recorders. I've seen some of the sightings that people talked about, about weird lights in the sky. I've had some of those experiences. For me, it's more like a roundabout of a lot of different things involved in this town that really drew me into this, this whole Redgate idea. Because the film itself, like I said, was started out as fictional. And then it was about storytelling and still mixing true stories with fictional stories. And then the more it progressed, the more I found out more and more about what Don was talking about with the alien stuff, about all this paranormal stuff going on. The UFO stuff was way deeper than I thought. I bumped into another guy in town that has alien footage on his phone. Was I was just blown away by what he had, like UFO footage on his phone. And it's just like, that's what Drew do, which is overall just the entire town area itself is just so bizarre. These yeah. little towns that you hear about in paranormal shows and whatnot, why do you think there's such activity in these spots? Do you have a theory now that it's it's more the Native American piece or that it's the, the mountain ridge itself? I know a lot of people, Ooh, I'm in Kentucky nice. and a lot of people are into the caves here. So they think it's this like whole cave system that's, I don't know, it just attracts the weird. Yeah. So right where this picture was taken is at the base of the continental divide, which if you're not familiar, all the watersheds. On the west end, it goes the Pacific Ocean. Everything on the east end goes the Atlantic. So this picture was taken at the Continental Divide itself. Hmm. So I've heard a lot of theories of tectonic plates or the natural pull of the continent. And it's an attractant in that aspect. The other thing that this picture has going forward or this area is there's a huge six-phase power line that runs across the Continental Divide right where this picture was. And they say with that high energy, the energy itself gets out of sync and almost creates a, a black hole or a portal on which paranormal creatures travel through. Yeah. Or even that level of energy could be enough for them to power up, so to speak, to manifest right. in our dimension, depending on it's, what technology yeah. you want to use. But that's what's one point I was going to add on to is if you go up towards the regular area, the, you can go up these huge, I mean, huge power poles like not just like these little wooden ones like big ones like it they're huge and like, it's, uh, it's it's the biggest one in the valley for sure yeah they're gigantic and they run right across right down the middle of redgate it's just it's really interesting what's the population roughly of uh deer lodge the, the town three, is three thousand the towns yeah two three thousand two 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 thousand five hundred three hundred three thousand somewhere in there but then you have the whole area I think the whole area is more around 5,000 if you count like outside wow. of town and things. <laughs> Super big. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We have, we're, we're a metropolitan. No yeah. Deal. Yeah. You got to count the outskirts, get all those numbers to add up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you, you guys both grew up there. That's your home. Oh, yeah. That's born and yeah. raised. Wow. Yep. Pat, do you still live there or are you just filming out there? It's kind of a weird thing. I was in transition. Uh, I was in Alaska for 10 straight years when I started writing the film Redgate. And I used to come, I was a teacher up there, I used to come back during the summers. And me and my brother, our production company, we started writing this film. I started working on this film Redgate for a while. And then I kind of was in transit between Alaska, Pittsburgh, because I was divorced and I was kind of wife and kids, ex-wife, they moved out to Pittsburgh. So I was kind of in transit and I got stuck 
here during COVID and I couldn't go back to Alaska, get my stuff or anything and finish up my work. So it kind of threw me off. And then once COVID hit, my plans kind of got dashed a lot. I was going to be like a door-to-door salesman to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, had, I, I had this Redgate project on my back table. I was like, well, I can't do anything right now because of COVID. I might as well work on this film I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And so that's, that's what kind of happened where it wasn't really a planned thing for me. I started working on it and I've, I've been working on it for the better part of two years now. Yeah, my plans have changed a lot since it's really taken off a lot since uh, you know we've been working on this. I know it's hard, especially when you're doing an independent film, because I have a background in film as well. I just moved from LA to Kentucky, which is another story for another time. But, um, <laughs> I know that it's difficult to have an answer to this question, but what are you thinking as far as the release and distribution? So we're starting to come up with an actual distribution model that I've been working on. It's some sales and marketing things that I've been working on for a while now. And I would say roughly the target date now is anywhere between end of August to end of September. And it's either going to be signed to a deal along with like a TV series, because we have a a producer working on a TV series for this right now also, or we're going to outright release it online through like a mass marketing campaign that I'm going to come up with here over the summer. But I would say my target right now is end of August, end of September, somewhere in that range, we're going to have it released online for purchase or rental. Or I haven't found out the exact model yet, but I'm in the process of working out the actual release model to get it to the most amount of people as possible. So kudos for doing that because it's just incredibly hard to make independent films. So yeah, the biggest problem that we faced is, is uh, we've done like, this is like my fifth one I've done, but we the back end of trying to get it distributed is like such... A whole a other bitch. ball game. Yeah, it's a yeah. bitch. It's a it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. a huge bit. It's fucking hard. And so we're trying to create with the shift in everything happening right now. Netflix even lost like two hundred billion their first quarter. I saw yesterday, which is yeah, interesting. They're, they're like trying to get rid of the passwords now. Did you see that? I saw that. Like yeah, trying because everybody shares Netflix passwords, you know. So like they're trying to cock block everybody from. Sharing. Yeah. <laughs> which is crazy i mean they're really struggling and and that's crazy to think that a a huge giant a giant like netflix is struggling my take on that is i was telling don this the other day it's like i think people are more thirsty for stuff that's more original and real especially with youtube and tiktok and everything going on and no offense i think they've done a great job obviously but um netflix hbo they all kind of release like the same type of big budget actors and actresses and everything it's kind of like the same movie but like a different title it doesn't feel like i'm watching anything really original or different i think people again with that how youtube and tiktok all these are taken off you know there's obviously youtube channels on the news get more views than fox news or cnn so i think a lot of people are thirsty more for something original and interesting than just oh another superhero movie with so-and-so or another like the subscribers are yeah so it's like i don't know that's my thought on it. So I think if the market's kind of opening up and changing a lot and uh, we'll see what happens, but people's viewing habits, everything are changing a lot daily. It's, it's really interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's fascinating. I, I, I like never want to see Jared Leto again. You know, he's in everything. But I do think, I think you're right. And we talk about this a lot and what's happening with paranormal shows too. And it used to be that it was like the same fucking show over and over again. And just mm-hmm. recently, and par- it's partially because of Hellier, but there's been this new wave of shows where they're starting. It, 
when I say wave, it's like a teeny tiny wave, but yeah. they're starting to use like the Gansfeld method and like the Estes method and like all of these different techniques mm. that like nobody used before. It was just like, we're going to go into this haunted house and like break out an EVP and, or, or break out a, right. yeah. what were they using, I guess, in the very beginning? Oh, EMF meters, like the little, I think it is changing. And, and I hope that this is also sort of in that vein that you're trying to make something that's a little bit fresh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the nice thing. And people ask me what the Redgate film actually is because it's kind of confusing when you, you listen to this talk, but it's really kind of a hybrid film of true stories and documentation and found footage and an, a narrative part that goes off those true stories that at this point I don't think is even really that much of a narrative, but it is still a horror UFO type film, but it's a hybrid. It's a lot different than the typical film that you'd watch that's out these days. Yeah. And it's all true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 90% of it's true, yeah. Did you go out there and all this paranormal shit just started happening? And and did people start coming forward and just telling you things? How did it happen? Was it synchronistic? What 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 happened? I would say after Don's photo, I had a lot of experiences of people just coming forward. But Don has a lot. After we met, oh, Don man. had a, a ton of people. So now I'm like, oh, wait. When Don told me all the people that were contacting him, I was like, oh, wait a second. There's a lot yeah. more to this than I thought. <laughs> Because, because, you know, a lot of people confide in me because I have this image. Like, well, I saw your image. Let me tell you my Redgate story. Uh, let's do it in secrecy. Let's make sure, you know, our cell phones are in our trucks so nobody can tap in and hear my story. Like, very serious people that have some very strange things happen in Redgate. Yeah. Ooh, well, tell me one. Can Do, do you remember? Any? Oh, I'll give you the best one I think I got. I got this buddy from school. He's a couple years older than me. And he sent me a text message one day and he goes, hey, I think it was right, right after the History Channel. He goes, hey, I just saw your thing on the History Channel. We should have a talk someday about Redgate. Oh, sure, man. That sounds good. Let's Let's meet up. It didn't seem very strange at all. And then I ran into him actually on the county road that I, this ranch, I was leaving work and he was heading home. And we get out and he's like, and you could just tell it was like, he saw a ghost. Like, all right, man, here's this story. As it goes, uh, his family actually owns a property next to what is considered, which I've heard a few spots, but the original Redgate homestead. And this was like eight years prior, nine years prior, him and a friend and their dogs were walking by this homestead. And there's a big two-story barn at the homestead itself with a big open loft door at the top. He says, as they walked up to it, the dogs, all their hair went up and the dogs started going crazy and barking towards the barn. He said him and his buddy looked at the top entry of the barn and there was a figure standing in the opening. Mm -mm. Well, they both realized nobody can be there. I mean, you're going to, you get a trespass ticket if you're up there being in this small town. Well, it could be an escaped inmate or you just don't know. So his friend said, well, I'm going to go bust the guy in this second story. And the dogs are still going crazy. He said he climbed the ladder. His friend climbed the ladder, looked inside the loft, and he said, man, there's nobody in here. And as soon as he said that, all the dogs stopped barking, and they were just fine again. Yikes. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> I mean, and he's telling me, like, I'm just staring like, holy cow, bud, you know. And he's like, I don't want my name attached to this story. Uh, this, this is a weird one, uh, you know, and I, and I get it. I mean, I've seen it enough now. 
Now he, your buddy was the one who had the, his friend, it was his friend that yep. went up and yep. is his friend now like spooked or was he just like, Oh, there was nothing. No, it freaked him out pretty bad. He yeah. told me something like it freaked him out that he never wanted to go back to that homestead again. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. Or no, I, I, I don't know. I yeah. Tell. No, I'm out. I'm out. Don's I'm like, out. fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> yeah. My trail cam got a picture and I still won't go there. I actually didn't see it. <laughs> so no. This red gate, this door or whatever, the, the alleged dude painted after he killed his family you mm-hmm. said when we first started talking i think that 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 almost seemed like it might have some truth to it the more you learned what did you learn about that they found the real actual homestead right yeah that's that's there and, and he's pretty adamant that that's the original redgate homestead and actually i just heard something the other day which is kind of new news to me one of the founding fathers of Deer Lodge itself, two Johnny, guys, yeah. Johnny Grant. Yeah. Johnny Grant. Yep. Yeah. And William Coors. And they still have, it's a national historic spot registered ranch from the 1800s in this Valley uh, that they originally started and so on. Well, come to find out William Coors, his famous trademark on all his properties was a red gate. All his gates were painted red and apparently it started crossing with the legend of red gate on the east side of deer lodge where the actual red gates at and he got rid of all his red gates because of it that's weird because that's a long time ago what did he yeah like 18 something like i don't know but <laughs> yeah that's a you long know, like 1880s yeah. i think right after montana became a state or maybe even right before then because the old prison in deer lodge was made before montana was a state so yeah 1870s probably 60s a lot of weird stuff yeah happened yeah it would have had to happen then <laughs> so William, ah, wow so pat you um well don you said you had a bunch of stuff like people started coming out of the woodwork and they were like i have a story for you at that point, were you like, we need to start capturing this evidence? Or were you like, well, because these people don't want their names involved, we'll just kind of extract these stories and put them into the, the movie. Like, without their names, you know what I mean? Right. I think that is the next step. We didn't really do that with this first Redgate. Um, I wasn't really a part of it. And, and Pat truly is a mastermind of this whole project, so... I'm definitely the back seat on here, but we've talked about it because there's enough people out there that have approached me that even, and most of them, most of them aren't really weird about it. They just say, Hey, you know, one night I I was driving in Redgate and this happened like, Oh wow. Crazy. But there is a handful that, you know, don't want to be known because it's so prolific. But uh, I think that is probably the next step for Redgate is getting some of these people hearing their stories and their situations. Cause I, I mean, yeah, some of them you hear, you're like, okay, you guys had some really good mushrooms. Like I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But then there's some, it's like a, a preacher telling me a story or, yeah. you, you know, ones you're just like, wow, there's, you can't make that up, you know? Yeah. And almost like, it's almost prime for a docu-series. And those are kind of mm-hmm. the hot shit right now on TLC. Or not TLC, right. uh, the Travel Channel. 
travel, yeah. right? What's the one where there the Skinwalker Ranch and then there's oh yeah gun there's a new one uh you should check it out actually it's um uh gunslinger gulch <laughs> they're, oh they're i think i might have heard that one yeah. yeah yeah but i think the yeah. show is called ghost town terror or something like that but it's the same concept they just like go to an area where a bunch of high strangeness is happening and they like just exactly what happened to you don like a bunch of people started saying hey this happened to me and they go in and yeah. they take their gadgets and and investigate would you be interested in doing something like that or uh if it's not in the area of the trail cam probably <laughs> Don's out. you gotta get somebody else uh, yeah I, I, <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah uh yeah Don's add on it was that that was actually conrad course who you're referencing conrad course yeah, yeah that was conrad course yeah. william course is like the library in town but they named that the library because he died pretty he died when he was like 22 or something like that. Yeah, his son or something, or grandson, or one yeah. of the two. Yeah. But he was That's a cattle, right. yeah, he's a cattle king that had all the ranch the ranching empire empire and everything. And he died in July 1920. So yeah. So that would yeah. be about right then. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right there on the dates, you know, roughly. It's hard to get like an, an actual like exact date of when Redicate occurred because it wasn't like right. it kind of felt like it was kind of either kind of pushed under the rug a little bit that they didn't really want to talk about it or you know you're you talk about now and drugs you don't want to talk about these things you know imagine back then where it's like you know yeah. very it's, taboo especially you spread out in these mines and stuff around town in the mountains it's just like yeah they could yeah very taboo pat what's yep. the weirdest most supernatural paranormal experience you've you know been like directly involved i would say i was up in the mountains uh once and we were coming down out of the hills we saw these just these these bizarre like lights just like coming down on our vehicle like right outside not too far outside like the red gate area and just like shining down on us it was really freaking weird and so we kind of followed it for like several miles and like we chased after for like several miles for a while there and then um it just like vanished out of nowhere like it just came down and like shone down on us that's probably the weirdest one I would say, and I've been I've been through ghost tours though at, at the Montana State Prison where we let them up by ourselves. We've we've got EVP type stuff, weird, really weird stuff on there. We used to capture because we go in there by ourselves at night with uh, audio recorders, and uh, we've ran out of there pretty scared quite a few times. <laughs> just a little pee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little. So what happened was that we used to have a. Uh, there's a theater, an old theater inside the old Montana State Prison. And as a theater group, we used to do plays inside there. So we would get keys to the old Montana State Prison Museum and do our plays. And then after the plays ended, uh, we close everything down. And then we'd stick around and we just hold our own secret private uh, ghost tours with just our friends. So we would go through, we would have a thing of keys. We'd just see, let's see if we can open up inside this place. <laughs> we'd, we'd do uh private tours of like the cell block which is super long that place is really spooky at night that's creepy yeah oh yeah you a bunch of people they're like three or four of us um <laughs> but the cell yeah the cell block at night's really you have the lights coming from the street kind of shining in all across the block it's just it's just kind of wide open and a bunch of cells like imagine a bunch of open cells just like one after another and you have to like slowly walk by each one it's just it's creepy it's yeah. weird it sounds yeah. like it sounds like the whole deer lodge area is pretty creepy <laughs> yeah. yeah you should yeah. see the residents 
No. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That does happen. So, so um, do you feel like you're more scared, Pat? I know, Don, you said like after the the photo, you were like, I'm not going back there. Pat, right. how are you feeling like after getting so far into the film and, and being in um, Deer Lodge for a longer period of time, are you feeling like it's harder to sleep at night at all? Or do you have any weird like heebie-jeebies? So for me, that's a lot different. Than I'm like actually not scared of any of this stuff at all. But I would say my biggest thing is like when we go, me and Don travel for like a film festival or horror convention or something to go talk to people or stuff. When I'm out of town for like three or four days, I can feel like a veil almost lifted over me where it's just like, I feel great just not being in Deer Lodge for like a weekend or three or four days or whatever. And I feel just great for a couple of days. And then I come back, I feel good, but it, it just has such a weird energy and vibe. You can see it kind of affect a lot of people too. There's a lot of weird negative people here about things, but like when I'm in town for a long period of time in Deer Lodge, I can, I, I just get, it's just weird. It's, it's a weird negative vibe that just thrives with you in this town, a weird energy, I would say. But, but being scared, no, but, but being here with that weird energy, yeah, I try to avoid places like the Montana Bar, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, Pat, Tony, I can't believe what? you said that right now. The what? There's, a, the what? There's, a po- there's a popular bar in town called the Montana Bar, and it's historically known for some crazy stuff that go down at night. <laughs> like, what kind? Well, I don't think we're talking about paranormal stuff. <laughs> no, we're talking about methamphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Don, did you do you feel like the same way when you leave? Do you feel like a a weight is lifted off your shoulders, or not so much because you're there all the time? No, I, I I do get that vibe. I mean, I I lived in uh, I lived in Churchill. I moved out of Deer Lodge. I lived in uh, Sheridan, Montana, Twin Bridges for a while, and coming back, I did definitely get what Pat's saying. It's it's almost like Deer Lodge has just this big dark rain cloud over it at all times, sort of a concept. Um, so I, I totally get where he's coming from there for sure. So why do you live there again? <laughs> Is it the We're meth? trying to sell. It's yeah, the, the meth, meth and the and, and the Montana bar. <laughs> <laughs> Montana bar brings me back. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps bringing me back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, what is it? What is it? It's got to be something. Is it family uh, or for our families are both from here? But me, me and my brothers, we have a theater media production company that's based out of here that we do a lot of different things. We have a comedy group, so there's a lot of things that I do when it comes to filmmaking stuff that's just based out of here. It's like the base of operations, kind of for me. And same for you, Don. You're just you just you've got that like hub and community there. Yeah, the hub and community. My my family's from here too. I mean, I have a very small family, so you know my parents are here. Um, I like Deer Lodge's location. Um, very entrepreneurial in a lot of ways, and Deer Lodge is kind of the center between Missoula, Helena, Butte, Bozeman. You're kind of right in the middle. Uh, so for marketing and advertising of any business, uh, it's a pretty good place to be. I'd say. That's cool. Yeah. And and I heard it's beautiful out there too. I've actually, beautiful. I think I've only been through Montana and I didn't know at the moment that it was Montana. It was like that part of the road trip where I was like, where are we? Like yeah. mushrooms or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not that uh, trip, but. <laughs> oh, not, oh, gotcha. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. 
Yeah, if, if you put if you put the mountains just surrounding Deer Lodge, like anywhere at anywhere at all out east, it would be a major mountain range because it's Deer Lodge in the middle of a mountain range is everywhere. It, it doesn't give a whole lot of crap. But you come to Deer Lodge, you'd be you'd be shocked at how gorgeous the scenery really is in this town. It's gorgeous scenery, like beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, so back to the paranormal real quick. So mm-hmm. what other, what are some other like experiences that you guys have had or um, experiences mm. other people have had that like have made you want to keep doing this? Like what's the pull? I'm going to hit on this one real quick. I had a very strange experience a few years ago, actually at the old prison. My brother is a stand-up comedian and they decided to do a show at the old prison and see if they could trip some EVPs jokes for ghosts. That was the title of it. Cute. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I went in there and I, uh, being an outfitter and a guide for so many years, you know, I'm always trying to market and advertise ranches and hunting and so on. So I was pretty pro- proficient with the drone. So the whole deal with this joke for ghosts was being locked in the old prison all night, walking around telling random jokes to see if there's a spur. <laughs> well, that's not my jam, but well, it was my brother. And like, I'm, I'm supportive. I have a small family, like I said. So I go into the yard at the old prison, fly my drone, take it off, start taking some pictures. And the groundskeeper comes over and says, Oh, you got one of those drones, huh? And I thought we were going to talk drones. I'm like, oh, it's a Mavic 2 Pro. You know, like I use my iPad to fly it. And they laughed at me and said, yeah, we saw five of those crash this last summer. And I said, five of them crash. Yeah, the, the operator lost complete control and is wrecked. And I'm like, okay, sure, buddy. Like, you know, just who knows? It could be hearsay. It could be folklore. It could be the truth. Well, I'm flying this drone. And all of a sudden, I'm watching my screen, and I see my screen glitch. Like, oh, that's weird. And then I realized I had no control over the drone at all. Up, down, left, right. Nope. It was doing its own thing, which was very odd in its own. So I'm thinking, oh, I didn't, you know, update the latest version of, you know, firmware or whatever. And then on my iPad, I get these random codes of words or like, or more letters than anything that just scrolled across the screen. But it was like, like big font, little font, very sporadic. I couldn't do anything. And I just sat there and just looked at the screen while the drone zipping around in the air uncontrolled. And that went on for about 10, 15 seconds. And then boom, instantly it was done. I was back to controlling it. Everything was fine. The camera was working again. And that was the moment of, wow, there there might be actually something here. And maybe this image, I should do something with it. Or maybe I should go down this road because I'm living it. I landed the drone. The groundskeeper came over and said, okay, I'm locking you guys in for the night. And I said, buddy, I am coming with you. You are not locking me in this prison. Nope. (laughs) Not today, Satan. Not today. So I ended, up, I ended up ditching him, but he understood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a lot of paranormal investigators say that they didn't like try to be paranormal investigators, but instead mm-hmm. they had an experience like yours and mm-hmm. they couldn't get it out of their minds. And it was almost mm-hmm. like the paranormal chose them. 
And they just kept finding themselves in these situations where they were kind of peeling back layers of truth little by little by little, as much as like the universe will allow you because it's fucking mysterious. Do you, you know, you don't want to be locked in the jail cell or whatever. You don't want to be out there where that picture was taken. That there's a little bit of curiosity that sparked more because of this. Oh, for sure. I always think it's interesting. The very first interview I did, and it's on film, I say, I would like to think it's paranormal, but people look at you really weird when you say that. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And a lot for a lot of years, they're like, well, I don't want to be the weird alien guy. I, w- I would always say that. <laughs> now, now in life, I'm embracing the weird alien guy and almost taking that to the next level. I don't know where it's going to go, but there's no reason for me to just bypass it because it's, it's pretty big. This is a pretty big deal. And that's hitting on the point from earlier in this town of Deer Lodge. It's not like Pat and I just showed up with this film and this picture because that wouldn't hold any water. It's the fact that there's generations and decades of you know people with stories to back everything we're doing. We're not just out on a whim in some random town. Right. It's a pretty common occurrence. Same for you, Pat. Like Same question. Do you feel like the paranormal chose you in a way? I do. And the reason I kind of have been pursuing this project, continue to pursue it is deep down inside. I want to find out why this place is so completely fucked up. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's tagline. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I got a recent story that every time, I, every time I'm about to leave, hundred percent feel the energy here does not want me here, but I've been chosen to be here to try to figure something out. Cause I can feel the energy. Part of it really does not like me being here. I'll tell you a story. We were doing, um, so we do a haunted house every year. It's called a creep show. We call it this past year. We decided to do the creep show. Um, we have a friend that owns a f- place. that used to be a funeral home that doesn't operate as a funeral home anymore. And we decided to do it at that funeral home. And this small town went on Facebook and rallied against this entire haunted house. Like you can't do it at the funeral, home, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, you realize no one actually dies at a funeral home. <laughs> you know, no one's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they they were all half the town was really mad about it, but we're like, no, this is a private building. The owner we're friends with, they they want to do it, so we're gonna do it. And it was just big uproar. It got so out of control. We had people developing and actually attacking it. At one point, uh, this girl went nuts and tried to attack it before we opened. But the creepiest thing was we get these creepy voicemails, and one lady. Two days before we're about to open the creep show, she leaves this. It's almost like a blood curdling type voicemail on our message machine. And she's an older lady and she's like, the blood of everyone's hands that goes through those doors will be on you. And it was just like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Two days later, our last creep show uh, people that go through, they're these uh, high school students, teenagers. They ended up right after that creep show that night, they ended up getting in a wreck. Two of them died and, and one of them was life lighted. Not even joking. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For real? Yeah. Shocked the entire town. Really freaking crazy. On Easter Sunday, just randomly out of nowhere, a mom was following her teenage daughter near that same location where that wreck was before. They're driving home on this frontage road. It's not a main highway, it's just a front road next to the highway. And her daughter, they think that she was texting on her phone or something, went flying off the road minutes away from the, the where the other crash was and she got life flighted a couple of days ago and she's like almost like they're about to pull the plug on her now so it's like yeah i like, think she's gonna make it yeah. it's really creepy bizarre stuff like for three high school students to like die in car wrecks in like 
one school year. It's just like some of the stuff is just the other day. Um, last week, cops went to a meth house and we had a active shooter situation and the whole high school had to be shut down. A couple of weeks before that, Don, we had dogs that were hung in trees with two shock collars attached to them, mutilated, dismembered, ears were cut off. Like stuff like this just keeps occurring. You're like, what is fuck is going on here? Yeah. It's like, like when does this shit end? Yeah. It just keeps going and going and going. So what are your theories? Like at this point, like, do you, I mean, have you, I'm sure you've hashed it out like more than once where you're like, do you think it's this? Do you think it's that? Like, do you really think there are aliens? Do you think it's a fae thing? Do you think it's ghosts? Do you think it's the the burial ground, the land? I think that's the combination of like a lot of things going on here that has this this bizarre energy, and that's kind of what we're trying to you know investigate and try to determine you know what is going on. And 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 it's it's weird as Don was saying earlier about his image that even like even the image that he captured, the guy's like, yeah, that's 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 one of those bad ones you want to watch out for. Like, right could have been one of the good aliens <laughs> you know? yeah, right. like one of the cute fluffy ones yeah, yeah I, I probably would go back if it was cute and fluffy just saying <laughs> uh, so, yeah about you what do you have like a, a gut feeling about it I, I know you're trying to investigate to find the answers but like is there a feeling that i i just really have this hypothesis that it's mostly aliens or fill in the blank yeah, it kind of goes both ways for me. And I've been on both sides of this coin for a while. I mean, in the, you know, haunting aspect or ghost aspect, I actually lived in a, a truly haunted house for a while and unexplainable things happened to me when I lived there. And it's one of those things you can't get out of your head because in that moment, you're like, this is supernatural. Um, so it's almost like a cross between that and then the history with the aliens you know, there's, and we, Pat and I didn't even hit on this one. There was a guy and his wife and they had three kids in the Red Gate area and they were well known in the Valley. Everything was fine. One day he went home, shot his three kids, shot his wife, and then turned the gun on himself, lit, or lit his cabin on fire and then shot himself. And I've heard a lot of theories, especially around that story. That was the largest mass murder in Montana the year that happened because there was five people involved. You wonder if it's a, a paranormal possession. You know, you wonder what angle that looks like, or was the guy just crazy? You, you know, there's a lot of questions that it's just hard to answer. It really is. Yeah. I see what you're saying that there, there's so many different possibilities that it's hard to even pick one. This real nice lady used to run a gas station in town. And she was super nice. And she's at home one night and the husband comes home and takes a knife and literally stabs this lady like 57 times in the chest out of nowhere. Next morning, he goes to the police station covered in blood and just nonchalantly. He's like, yeah, I murdered my wife last night. When did this happen? This happened not by oh. a little bit longer, maybe like eight years ago or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Yeah. So it's like. And he, throughout the trial, well, there was a trial, he just pleaded guilty, but he never showed any emotion whatsoever. It's just bizarre stuff like that. There's there's a lot, man. It's just crazy, bizarre stuff that makes no do, sense. Do you feel safe there? I mean, I don't have any plasma bullets, but, you know, yeah. I, have regu- I have regular bullets, so I feel all right. I, I would say my fear would be more, more around someone freaking out and coming after me with a gun or a knife or something like that Yeah, uh, would be more of my concern than really like a entity, but maybe 
the entity, the energy is controlling the person that would do that sort of thing. And with my luck, it most likely to be a girl I meant the Montana bar that would do that. It will be. (laughs) It would now mark my word. The prophecy. The prophecy. Yeah. That has been yeah. my premonition. It's not gonna, it's gonna be a girl where things go south. That's been my biggest premonition. Like I just got a gut feeling. That's why I'm staying single and doing my own thing oh, until, here we go. until sure. we're done. Until we're done here, no relationships uh-huh. for me. <laughs> John really believes you, Pat. Yeah, Pat. You, yeah, you got to figure it out, bud. I believe you this time. Cool story, bro. <laughs> how long have you known each other 20 years but we haven't seen each other in like 15 years or something like that so it's interesting though that this is all happening in deer lodge and it makes it even more confusing because you you guys did say that there's like a big drug problem there and i hear about this all the time and there's actually like i can't remember the author's name but he's like a paranormal OG. He's been writing forever. And it's this idea that like marginality and the paranormal go together. So like where there's Mm. poverty, where there's drugs, where there's like rural areas, like there's these combinations that actually increases the paranormal, which sucks, right? Because then it makes it more difficult to figure out if the thing is like a paranormal thing, or if it's because of drugs and poverty and right. And, and, and right. So it's, yep, almost, it's almost tricky. It's like, how do you know? I mean, at, at this point, it feels like there has to be all of the above because mm-hmm. of your experiences. But to be able to like parse it out and figure out what the crux of it is, it, it seems impossible. I think once we I catch mean, that alien. <laughs> on, on, in what, snagger. a trap? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can throw a rope. I mean, I can lasso it, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to expect from that one, but... <laughs> Let's stick with aliens for a second. Do you feel like aliens are interdimensional beings or they're physical beings from other planets? You know, I have a a very known professor that I went to college with. He wrote a book called Identified Flying Objects. And he has a theory that aliens of our present time is mankind from the future time traveling back. Yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah, it's a really cool book. You should check yeah. it out. Also, I heard that theory actually too that this mankind yep. from the future traveling back. Um, yep. I like that. You yeah. like that idea? Do you think that that feels right in some way? I like that you idea. Know, like, but... Why do we look like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like that. I don't. I don't check out. Uh, <laughs> I, I like. I think that idea is. I'd say that I think that idea I would label as cool or whatever. I like the idea of uh, interdimensional beings coming from different right. dimensions especially as you talk to the red game, they come to that big power source up there. And then right. I like the idea um, of them coming from space and everything else. Cause there's, I've seen a lot of us. I don't know if you see five where they summon aliens and stuff through meditations. I've seen a lot of videos like that where they're definitely coming from somewhere. So the, I think the idea that they're somewhere in space where it's, it's kind of hard to say, but like, I think the idea that maybe we're just one giant ant form to them and they created us a long time ago through their DNA and stuff. I think that's also like a real plausible. The human race itself was created by aliens, I think is a plausible idea. That's a real popular one. Yeah. yeah. I get that one a lot. Yeah. And even like- uh, Shirley MacLaine, she, she believes in that shit too. Does oh, she? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm sold I mean, too. Sold, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. I like to throw out the line on most of my podcasts and even with just people 
saying that there is no aliens or life outside of earth is like taking a spoonful of water out of the ocean and saying there's no whales or sharks in the ocean because there's none on your spoon. That's a good one. I haven't heard it put that way before. That resonates for me for sure. I think it's a great way to put it. It's kind of like you're a dumb dumb if you think, <laughs> how could there just be us? Right. It just doesn't right. make any sense. Of the billions of galaxies. Yeah. yeah. And I like, I like, um, I don't know if you follow David Greer at all, his his idea that all aliens are peaceful. I don't mind that idea because you look at a lot of footage. There's footage on some of his films where it's like uh, our military has tried to shut shoot down so many different UFOs and stuff just to get their technology because it is a race for technology between us and other countries. So I understand that perspective of it, but it's like, you know, a lot of these UFOs come down, I think are 100% peaceful. But I just don't believe that you can sit there and without a doubt say, they're a hundred percent good or they're a hundred percent bad. I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Agreed. That. Yeah. I, I like that you're open though to them being like some of them being peaceful because I always hear that from a lot of people that they just think they're evil. And I think that's partially, and you probably get this Pat, especially like from the media, like we've been yeah. told that aliens are bad in like every movie since yeah 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 <laughs> right right they're just the bad guys one of the points that david greer made was like well if they're bad they would just they would destroy this already well how do we not know that they're governed by some kind of rules that they can't just come down here what is their they might have some other ulterior motives and things other than just destroying the human race so i think i don't know it's, it's just interesting yeah 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 i think there's good good people bad people i mean most people are a little bit of good a little bit of bad hopefully mostly good yeah i think it's probably the same there's like some yeah. sh- some shitty aliens and there's some not so shitty ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would like to come into contact with the not so shitty ones preferably that's yeah i was on a podcast a couple months ago and they brought on an alien expert to identify my photo and the guy told me because of the placement of the ear in my photo, he knows it's an Arcturian. Oh, they're supposed to be good. Yeah, and they like uh, music and fashion. But all right, you know, I can I can jive with this. Cool. Yeah. High, high five. And that one was aired in 121 countries. So, well, there you go. <laughs> alien expert. Now, had the alien expert actually had an encounter himself or herself? I didn't want to stick around and find out because, well, <laughs> it was, that was a very strange podcast. Let me just put it that way. Really? Um, high, I'm high strange there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The actual host themselves was great. He was a great uh, host and he, he, answered, he asked the right questions. And, but then this expert was just so far off the wall. I mean, just right off the bat, like, Okay, I look at your image. I know it's an Arcturian by the placement of the ear. They love fashion and music. They are not hostile. Nice to meet you. It was just very interesting. Actually, and I still I still this tell this story too. Like when they cut to their video screen, you could see all these like original Fantastic Four action figures in the box hanging on the wall behind them. And I'm just like, oh, this is the expert. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, I could be wrong. That guy might know, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, that definitely brings out the the weird and I, I'm weird. I love weird, but 
you know, when you investigate this stuff and and a lot of people email me and, you know, you get, you get to talk to a lot of different people and I kind of have yeah. a bullshit meter now. Bingo. Mm, I don't know what you might believe what you're saying. Then sometimes there's people who I'm like, you don't even believe what you're saying. Like, right. <laughs> and I usually yeah, what, don't have them on. One of my favorite stories from all these people is I had a guy from town show up to my job at my, where I work and he walks in with a box of Fruit Loops, and he hands me them, and he goes, "I'd have brought you these here sooner, but I was abducted by aliens on the way here." Oh, no. oh neat, neat, <laughs> you know. High five, yeah, high five. Oh, like, oh boy, take the good with the bad. Take yeah, the good with the bad. I'm sure you guys, in hearing about Redgate specifically, like came across people who you were like. I don't know. This feels like shit, right? I mean, or do yeah. like, would you say like ninety percent of them though? What, what percentage would you get that would you give that that you think was like legit? Most people I spoke to, they actually have footage or something that they can show me from my films and stuff. Yeah, on my end of things, that's a good question. Boy, that is a really tough one to really decipher between true and false. I would say it's probably seventy percent. Out of 100 people, 70 have some pretty serious stories. And then the other 30 was drugs or something is my guess. But I've heard some wild stories. Pat knows this one. Uh, An alien came down to Earth, slept with a girl from Deer Lodge. They had an illegitimate half-breed child. And the image I caught on my camera was the bastard child that's not allowed to go back into the universe and is condemned to planet earth yeah he was a father of the child or whatever right <laughs> yeah i did yeah, <laughs> sure you know like the same thing about like uh fallen angels that came down and had sex with humans so they're like cursed to be here for eternity or whatever oh, right like the anunnaki and the, yeah the anunnaki yeah vampiric there's like the vampiric yeah. thread there there's all kinds of interesting stuff I got to wrap up here, but I want to just like end it with what would be your advice to people who are trying to investigate the paranormal after you've gone all that you've gone through? Go ahead, Pat. I would say tread lightly. (laughs) (laughs) Meet you at the Montana Uh, bar in an hour. No, Um, (laughs) This is the ongoing joke. No, it is. It is. The biggest thing I would say, just as someone who does filmmaking and, and, and communication is a huge, huge deal. So I would say take a lot of notes, document everything, and then try to find ways to formulate how you're going to communicate to other people and stuff. Because a lot of people won't take it seriously. And a lot of times when you do show up on like a podcast or something else, you want to talk to somebody, you want to be able to come out and actually formulate your ideas in a clear, functional manner. But yeah, my biggest thing is like take notes on everything. Things happen also that you that like you forget about and you like it just goes to the wayside and like just talking at night with Don and everything like it's a lot of things that I could have documented more stuff on you know I'm starting to remember some of the stuff but like if you don't document you tend to lose it but in your mind and there's you can really create some great stories and and, and connect things together if you just document every single thing that happens. Yeah, Don. Nice, what about Pat. you? Nice. Any, any other advice you would give to to people who? Maybe who don't even want to investigate, but who are having weird experiences. I try to preach this a lot to people. You got to keep an open mind. And most people don't. Most people are so closed mind and they're quote unquote comfortable in their own lives. So of course, UFOs don't exist because they've never seen one. 
Or, of course, paranormal is not a thing because the government says it's not a thing. The open mind aspect will get you a lot further in life than being a sheep or being closed-minded. Can't preach that enough. Yeah, that's a really good one. That's a lot of the reason why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, one of the the central reasons is because I think we aren't open-minded enough about this stuff. And I think there's probably answers in the stuff that you're investigating. You know, maybe it's not like going to, I don't know, cure cancer or anything, but there might be something out there that you, that you find that really changes your global perception on something. And that's, that's worth something. Exactly. hundred percent. I will definitely see for sure. Red gate it's happening, right? August, September of this year. Yeah. Um, I got to set up the marketing, everything online and and we'll see what happens between now and August, but yeah, it's coming out. End of August, end of September, somewhere in that zone, I would say. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking. Thanks for time. having us. It was a good yeah, time. Appreciate you it. Are so fun. I want to come and visit you. <laughs> will, will you come me? out? Yeah, you yeah. should come out. We'll we keep see. telling people like end of June, early July is when the snow's finally melted off. You can kind of go up there and stuff. You still have snow now. Yeah, we have it snow. snowed this morning. It was yeah. snowing this morning. <laughs> okay, tell me when there's no snow, and then I'll come. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I will keep y'all updated about this film. I'm hoping Patrick is able to get the August, September-ish 2022 release that he's shooting for. No matter what, it should be an interesting watch. I'm really curious, especially how he's going to splice together the true part of the film, like interview style, with the fictional narrative horror I just don't even know how he's going to do that. That's fascinating to me. I'm also very curious about what continual investigating they'll be doing in that area moving forward. It sounds like it's a great opportunity for a paranormal TV series or even just a, a YouTube series. Also, I wasn't joking. I sincerely want to go to there to do my own witchy investigation of the place. So if that happens, I will obviously let you know. You will be the first to know, besides my wife, of course. All right, go check my Instagram later today to catch a peek of the image that Don Bromley caught on the trail cam. It's a head scratcher, especially based on how many people have confirmed that it has not, in fact, been tampered with. That part is pretty interesting to me, of course. I will post both the side-by-side that Don references. So it's basically split. You'll see the one side is the actual image. And then the other side is, I think it's actually Don in a hoodie trying to recreate the exact thing. And you can see they're, they're wildly different. So that was sort of to give it more credibility, I think, to show people that like, no, it's not just a person like, look, here's that same spot. We'll put the trail cam in the same place, the same kind of trail cam. It just doesn't look anything like that other thing. And I'll let you be the judge of what we're calling that. Is it an alien? Is it a ghost? Is it a cryptid? Maybe we'll never know. You can keep track of everything that's going on with Patrick's movie, Redgate, at secretofredgate.com. And of course, that link will be in the show notes for this episode. Have a great week. Okay. Till next time. Bye. Thank you for following the woo with me today. 
If you love what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to Follow the Woo wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling particularly stoked about this show, please leave a review and or rating. You can also support this podcast by becoming a member of The Order of Woo, where you'll get community access and loads of extra goodies exclusively on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash follow the woo. The Order of Woo patrons bolster this podcast and community and allow for the creation of more content, products, services, and events over time. Every little bit helps, and I'm so grateful for the patrons who have joined the Order already. If you've experienced something magical, mystical, or just downright weird and want to discuss it, or if you're interested in sharing your expertise, or if you want me to research a Woo topic with you or for you, please email me at followthewoo at gmail.com. Join me next week for another woo topic. And remember, tell the truth, be nice to each other, and if it feels right, 